This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome. To the Draft Deeper podcast on the No Ceilings NBA podcast feed. I am thrilled to be back with you guys. My name is Nathan Grubel. I'm the host of Draft Deeper. Thank you so much for not only tuning into every episode that we have on the No Ceilings NBA podcast feed, but also for listening last week to Draft Deeper because I was not present. I was out. But because I have the two best co-hosts that I could ever ask for, they carried the show. Did a phenomenal job, by the way. I listened to the international episode very shortly after it was published. They did an excellent job with that. If you missed that show where they covered Victor Wembanyama, Ryan Rupert, James Naji, all the fun international prospects, some of whom we're going to be talking about tonight, go back and listen to that episode. If you missed any of the other episodes on the No Sons NBA podcast feed last week, go back and listen to all of them because trust me, the coverage is rolling. We're having an excellent time as a No Ceilings Collective. And now we're in the meat and potatoes of draft season, boys. We are here. The first week of college hoops is under our belts. Now we're heading into the Champions Classic, which I'm incredibly excited for that event. I know you guys are as well. If any of our audience is not aware, we will be streaming those games in our playback room. That's right. You can click on the link that we will have in our podcast bio. We'll be sharing the links out on social media as well to our No Ceilings NBA Playback Room. Come watch the Champions Classic with us Tuesday night. Coverage starts at 7 p.m. Eastern. We'll have rooms open for both games, rotating through who's covering each game. So please make sure you're hopping on, talking with us, scouting live. Scouting live. It's something we're brand new we're doing this year. We've already had some fun doing it for the few games that we've already streamed. So definitely make sure you join us. But that's enough of an intro. We have to dive in because we have it, – it's it's going to be a long one. It's, I'm not yeah. going to lie. This is going to be a long one. This is our first Draft Deeper Mock Draft 1.0 on the year, but we have a twist. So normally when you hear a mock draft on a podcast show or you're watching a video on YouTube, there's a set order for things. We're not worried about the, the pool of players that's that's necessarily involved. What we wanted to do, though, is because this is our quote-unquote last preview show before we really get into how the show is going to be formatted from here on out, we didn't have time to do a separate big board episode and a separate mock draft episode. So I was sitting here one day and I thought, how can we combine both of those exercises into one show? So what I did was I took my big board, my preseason big board, I took Stephen Gillespie's preseason big board, I took Maxwell Baumbach's preseason big board, and we threw them all together into one, into a composite board, very similar to what we do at NoSillingsNBA.com. And we determined our composite top 30, which is going to be our pool of players 
we will be drafting from for this exercise. The other fun wrinkle we threw into this, which is it's going to get a little insane when we actually start this mock draft here, but we did do a tankathon sim for the lottery order. So we're not just going in order for the standing. So you can imagine a crazy team probably won the number one pick. That's always how these stupid sims go. And yeah, there, there are, there's quite the surprise with the number one overall pick, but those are some of the twists and turns we are adapting into our mock draft 1.0. And I'm excited to kick this podcast off. Steven, you you look like you're ready to go. Thank you so much for filling into the the editor's chair for the normal producer, Kevin Black. How you doing? I'm doing well, man. Um, If I can coin a phrase, this will be our mock posit show today. Can we do that? Can we do a little word? Mock posit 1.0. I love it. There we go. But yeah, man, I'm excited. Uh, Shout out to the man, Kevin Black, who, uh, you know, had some stuff happen to him at a, at a wedding. I don't know. Full <laughs> he was at a wedding. That is such a vague thing to just throw out to the general <laughs> public that we don't even know if he wants to share. And we're like, hold on, guys. Yeah, yeah poor um, poor Kevin was uh, dealing with a few things at at a wedding last night. Don't don't worry, he's okay. He no, yeah. nothing embarrassing happened because of him, but he was dealing with a few things. But he'll he'll be all right. He's recovering. But shout out to Kevin. I'm happy to be here. Happy to be with both of you guys. Shout out to my incredible friends that are letting me borrow a room during my home displacement while my house is being renovated. I got a lot to be thankful for. And of course, I'm thankful and happy to be on the show with you, fine gentlemen, tonight. Maxwell, I know that you're ready to kick this thing off because while I have the number one pick in our mock and mm-hmm. Steven has the number two pick in our mock, you have the third pick in yeah. our mock and then we will rotate through. Really, really the first pick. It is the real first pick. It's where that, it gets that's interesting. That's exactly right. Every yes. every draft has that point where it starts to get interesting, and uh, so far it looks like that's number three spot. And I might even I might even deviate from my own board. We'll we'll see. Oh, dun, I dun, I, dun. I expect you to just bring some awesome and unexpected name out of your hat for for that third pick because that that's what you do, Maxwell. You always <laughs> out of the approved list players. of thirty. <laughs> it's the approved list. Yeah, I can't go. Can't go too deep cut. Uh, that is point. that is true. But you no are Kevin always on Harmon going number three. But ooh, nice. <laughs> Maxwell is the absolute best at just throwing names into the <laughs> wind in our no ceilings group chat, being like, "I think this might be a guy," and then five of us <laughs> respond back, "Maxwell, we don't know who that guy is," and then you kind of just like laugh there maniacally, probably while you're reading the messages, but. Mm-hmm. Nevertheless, it's like the same even a real person. They just believe me. <laughs> that Kevin. By the way, the name I threw out also not a real guy. Not a okay. real guy. Oh, the same name I made up. Boom. So thank so God. I did. I did keep you on your toes there. There was a guy I was thinking of, and I got his name wrong. Um, so if I can't remember his name, I'm going to be honest. I'm not taking him third overall. Just too big of a stretch <laughs> for me to take a guy whose name I don't remember with the third pick. But thank God, I'm excited for this one though. I, I yeah, I'm I'm excited. The the order that we got is fascinating and i'm excited to get into that too because it's a lot to unpack yeah when i ran this sim i messaged the guys should we do this again like should i just run a second sim and steven was like no we're we're just gonna roll with it like we're we're having fun it's mock draft 1.0 no one's gonna remember this months from now so it it is what it is so number one overall pick Mock, mock positive 1.0, the number one overall pick in this exercise. I'm making the pick for who else? 
the Golden State Warriors. Of course, the Golden State Warriors win the number one overall pick in this damn exercise. I, I'm over it at this point. If the Warriors somehow stayed this bad over the course of the year, they are in the standings. They are not the worst team in the league. They would not have the worst odds, but they're down there. They're five and seven right now, which is certainly below the sort of expectations that we would have for a team that just won the title last year, who didn't really make any poor changes to their roster. So they're bringing basically the same team back. There are a myriad of reasons why they could be struggling right now, but we are not an NBA podcast, unless we're talking about the young guys. There will be times where we throw out some rookie and sophomore talk, but I am not doing a deep dive into why the Golden State Warriors are where they are in the standings. We're just going to make the pick, and it's an easy one to make. It's Victor Wembanyama. I don't, I don't have to do a deep dive into why the pick would be Victor Wembanyama. It's more so, it, it's it's laughable if Steph Curry, Clay Thompson could be paired up with somebody like Victor. Who, listen, we we there was once upon a time when when Boogie Cousins was doing his little stint with the Warriors, and he was like mm. the the big splash mountain before. Brooke Lopez ended up getting that name with the with the Milwaukee Bucks, but he was like the third splash brother that they all uh, were talking about. And Victor Wembanyama would actually be that third splash brother, that legitimate shot creator next to Steph Curry and Clay Thompson. The type of actions they could run off of him. I I don't want to go into more detail. I, I get sick. I'm I'm sick <laughs> to my stomach that this actually happened. But Victor Wembanyama to the Golden State Warriors. There's nothing really else to discuss there. Steven, you are on the clock with the Charlotte Hornets. I know that you're happy that Victor's off the board because you're number one player on your personal big board. He's still there, but yeah. the Hornets have LaMelo Ball. So does that change where you you're do? going with number two? Yeah, quite a pickle I'm in here. So um, with Charlotte, they're losing Kelly Oubre and Mason Plumley and Jalen McDaniels and Dennis Smith Jr. to free agency. P.J. Washington and Nick Richards are in restricted free agency. I put under their team needs was just talent, right? And so they, they sure, they have LaMelo Ball, but you could have worse problems than having Scoot Henderson and LaMelo Ball on a team together, right? Especially with the defense that Scoot is going to bring that LaMelo lacks. Um, they both can spread the floor. LaMelo has shown that he can shoot. Scoot's developing into a shooter, so – he will actually get some clean looks too, playing alongside LaMelo Ball and literally whoever else is on the team. You know, Mark, you know, Williams is doing good in free agency. I saw, you know, uh, McGowan's, your guy, Nathan, had a good showing. Bryce in, uh, McGowan's showing up in the G League. Yes, sir. Yeah. So, I mean, there might be some, some young players growing up here on this team. And one thing about Scoot that we know is that he makes everybody on the team better, whether he's holding the, the scoring output or he's just casually dishing out 16 assists right after, you know, Metcalf just wrote a, a, a piece featuring his playmaking ability. So uh, really happy that Scoot's available. I'm sure that any team that has a second pick will say, well, he was our number one guy anyway. I'm going to go ahead and say it because I actually mean it. What he's doing for that Ignite team right now, you referenced the 16 assist game that he just had. Listen, when we talked about Scoot on this podcast, I called him Chris Paul 2.0. Steven was immediately jumping into the fray to say, yes, I agree with you. I see a lot of the same similarities. Maxwell certainly had nothing but glowing things to say about Scoot Henderson. That comp, to me, 
is really evident. If, if you haven't watched Scoot play, anybody out there listening to this podcast, if you haven't watched him play in some of Ignite's first opening games, watch how he's manipulating screens. Watch how he's coming off screens, playing tight off the roll man, then coming off, using the right angles to be able to either hit the guy when he slips, pull up into that mid-range shot. He looks like Chris Paul out there. He really, really, a lot of those similarities are striking. I love watching Scoot Henderson play basketball every single night that I can. So it does not surprise me that Scoot would go number two to Charlotte. And Steven, the Charlotte team just sucks. I'm sorry. We we said it preseason. Yeah. <laughs> they, they are just not a good basketball team. They actually would benefit from jumping up into the lottery to get somebody like Victor or Scoot. It is an easy pick to make despite LaMelo Ball being there. I agree. Maxwell. Yeah. Number three. We talked about it. This is this is where the draft begins, right? The Brooklyn Nets. This, mm. this part of it hurts though. Via yeah. the Philadelphia 76ers. That that part. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, if the 76ers still had their pick, and we were talking about Joel and B, James Harden, Tyrese Maxey, and Prospect X. That would be a lot more fun than surrendering mm-hmm. that pick to Brooklyn. But nevertheless, yeah, somebody's got to make and, that pick for him, and you're going to do it. Yeah, and historically, I can't think of a single instance where the, the 76ers traded a pick that, that was the third pick that ended up uh, making us all really <laughs> sad in hindsight. Can't think of a single time in the last six years or so oh, where boy. that's happened and just been a, a real Some punch arbitrary to amount of time, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so here's the thing I thought about veering from my board with this pick, but the more I think about it, like in this hypothetical, if, if we're in a situation where the Brooklyn Nets are picking in the lottery, um, it's just another year where everything's gone wrong in that case. And you could still argue that everything's gone wrong, even if, you know, they're not a a true title contender this season, because that's what this team was put there to do. It feels like the thread is being tugged on this sweater. And I just don't think this current roster construction is long for this world. Um, so if I'm picking third, I don't really worry about fit. I don't worry about the fact that I have somebody else who is a good defender that struggles to shoot from the outside to say the least. Um, and I just take amen Thompson. I take him. Whoa. I don't worry about the roster. Amen fit. Thompson is off the board. Okay. I, I If I'm picking in this spot, I'm looking at it from the standpoint of the stars I have are not going to be here for very long. We need talent. We need to raise our ceiling going forward. And I'm taking the biggest swing I can. I think he's the highest upside guy on the board. I love how he guards one through three. Um, he is extremely creative. There are times he can be a little frustrating. He's got to get stronger, uh, both in terms of getting to his spots when he tries to attack the rim and finishing at the rim as well. He'll like take angles at the basket to avoid contact and that that's got to change um the outside shot i've voiced my displeasure with on this podcast and the fact that it didn't clean up over the summer um but still at the end of the day i i think if you if you build that jumper from the ground up and he starts to hit it and then you just put in how creative nba teams have shown themselves to be uh when it comes to players where you know, the fit on paper isn't the clearest. Like Zion Williamson, prime example. There was a lot of like, well, what's he going to look like in the NBA? How is this going to work? Pelicans figured it out. I, I think you bank on NBA coaching staffs being able to figure guys out. I think you do that with Amen Thompson here as well. Is the fit that poor though? Because there, there's two things. They need defenders. To they need long guys that play defense because right now every guard they have is 6'1 and doesn't like to guard anybody. They need long defenders at the point of attack. That's mm-hmm. yep. That's the number one thing. The number two thing, 
again, we're not an NBA podcast, but if we have to pontificate, if Kyrie Irving is out the door and he does not return to Brooklyn, the team needs a point guard. And for all that we want to talk about Thompson's struggles with shooting the outside shot, the best version of him is as a quote-unquote lead ball handler. So somebody needs those reps in Brooklyn to help take over that offense and get everybody else into the spots where they need to be. Somebody needs to be the lead ball handler on that team. Amen Thompson would certainly get the chance to do that if he comes into Brooklyn and if Kyrie is, in fact, on his way out the door. So for those two reasons, they need defense at the point of attack. They need playmaking. Amon Thompson, I think, is a good fit. So job well done, Maxwell. I, I do like that you stuck to your guns and went with that pick. All right. I'm back on the clock. Sacramento Kings, the fourth overall pick in this mock draft exercise. Funny, they just drafted number four last year. They got, I, I would say, call yeah. Keegan Murray a, a, a pretty good basketball player. So I think that that has worked out for them. Let's see if it can work out again. So they have some interesting guard depth, but I do think they could take another player at the shooting guard spot. They do need a little bit of wing depth, and they need a little bit of center depth, depending on how you feel about uh, Demata Sabonis playing the center. If you like Nemias Keita, if you're still a Rashawn Holmes kind of guy, there are some different ways I could go. I'm going to rip the Band-Aid off. We're going Keontae George at, at, at fourth okay. overall. Whoa, that is, all right. Yeah, that that's Love that it. differs from where I was on Mr. George a week ago. But I said at the top, this was our quote unquote last preseason podcast, right? Or our last preview podcast. We're cheating a little bit. We do have two games under our belt that we could review the film. Keontae George did not shoot the ball well for Baylor in game one, but I was impressed with everything else he did on the floor. And a lot of those things also carried over into game two where he did shoot the cover off the ball. He did score 23 points. He was effective from three-point range. But the passing ability, the quick, the lightning-quick decision-making, the commitment to playing defense and not just guarding other guards, but really guarding wherever he needs to on the floor, bodying guys up, guys bouncing off of him as they're driving at him, him playing with quick, active hands on the defensive end, him being a threat in transition. Really, no matter what the Baylor Bears have needed him to do to contribute to the team, he's done it. And that was one of the burning questions that I wrote about in my morning dunk column last week was, I went into, is Keontae George going to be the type of player who just fits in with his team, right? We know how much of a scoring, or should I say shooting maestro, this guy was in high school. We knew that he was going to be a score first, shoot first guard. Would he be able to blend and do all of the other things to help his team win games because there were a number of guards ahead of him? The answer to that is a resounding yes. And I think the Sacramento Kings just need to keep acquiring players who fit that mold. They have another perfect example of that in Keegan Murray. We see De'Aaron Fox playing really well. We know Demonis Sabonis wants to play the game the right way, regardless of some of the other guards on the roster. Just go get a guy who wants to fit in and blend in with that culture that they're currently trying to build there. Someone who wants to play the game the right way with the type of scoring upside we know that Keontae George has. So give me that man at number four. I, I There are some people out there saying, you shouldn't take a guard like him with a top five pick. Well, 
I say screw that notion to all the naysayers. I just did it. So we'll move on. Steven, you have the fifth pick. You're up with the Houston Rockets. They're now now that I took George, they're a fascinating yeah. direction to go. Yeah, and it's really weird. I have a guy who I have ranked third on my board who at one point I was entertaining being second on my board. I just don't – and I know, like, especially with a team like the Houston Rockets, you got to take talent because they, they need talent all over the place. But I really do feel like their fours or like they have enough kind of like three, four tweener guys on the team that they're going to be invested in, that they're going to be wanting to continue to improve. So I think that there's not a big man worth taking here. They need to go for more of like a two guy, although that you got Jalen and you've got, you know, Porter on this team. I'm going to go ahead and take Derek Whitehead here. We haven't seen him play any college ball yet. I just think that their fours and their threes are are crowded right now. Like with Tari Eason, with Jabari Smith Jr., with, you know, Alpresh Angoon, they and Usman, right? Like they have guys on, on the team that are taking up the spot. I think that Derek Whitehead playing the two, um, and the three, depending on the lineup where you can have him out there with KPJ and and also Jalen Green, I think it helps the team out a lot. He looks like he's going to be a good defender or at least an average one. But that slashing ability, that shooting ability uh, and and the kind of ancillary playmaking that he can bring this team, I think it could help him out a lot. So I am going to go with Derek Whitehead here. I think he's a potential star waiting in the wings at Duke. And yeah, we understand we haven't seen him play any games yet, but I think when he does come back, give him a few games to get his legs underneath him. And then once he's really back into the swing of things, I think he's going to be that legitimate number one scoring option for Duke. That that would be why he's the third overall player on my personal big board right now. I know I didn't take him with that fourth pick. I wanted to more so write a love letter to what Keontae George has shown me. This year, but I cannot fault Steven for taking Tariq White. I, I do think personally that was the right pick for, for him to make. So job well done for me on that one. Maxwell, you're yeah. up. You have the sixth pick, which, again, sad face to Lakers fans out there. For all the sad faces we issued to 76ers fans, the Lakers are in the same place. They have their pick. It's actually a swap with the New Orleans Pelicans. So now New Orleans gets to make a sixth pick with one of the deepest, most talented rosters already in the NBA. Now we're just going to throw another lottery pick in there. Where are you going for New Orleans with number six? Yeah, so this is a really, really talented team. And I kind of want to get funky with this pick. So there's this is the number five guy on my board. The number four is still sitting there. Okay, But I want to dip down to number five because I think just what this opens up for this team is so fun. I'm taking Brandon Miller from NBA. Okay, let's okay. go. So Brandon Miller, six foot nine. Uh, the EYBL tape on him, I, I didn't really get it at first. I was like, all right, this guy's like big. He's six nine. He can score in the mid range. Like the defense like comes and goes, but like when it's there, it's really good. Um and then I watched the high school film of him and like weirdly the high school film is like probably worse, but it's what made it click for me where he played on this high school team where like the next house guy was felt like he was like six, four and he had to play center on defense and point guard on offense. And he's getting triple teamed. And like 
you truly saw what he could do as a passer and a decision maker that there's sort of this on ball guard type upside. And uh, so far he's made all eight of the free throws he's taken. He's taken a lot of threes. He's taken some deep threes and he's hit them. Uh, So he could potentially be this six, nine player that can defend a multitude of positions and offer some real versatility in terms of what he does. He's also a willing screener. Like there's some short roll stuff you can do with this guy. You can do some nasty stuff off of handoffs with this guy. I'm highly intrigued by him. And I think if you roll out a lineup, that's like him, Dyson Daniels in a couple of years, I'm still a big believer in Brandon Ingram, Zion Williamson, and take your pick at Trey Murphy or Herb Jones. Like you can do some nasty stuff with this team. Yeah. And I just, I can't pass up the fit. I think the idea of what he can become on the ball as he continues to grow and become more confident, uh, confident in that outside shot and the earlier turns look good. I, listen, like I, I know I'm a big Cam Whitmore guy, but just the the versatility of Brandon Miller in this particular circumstance gets me so worked up that I would take uh, a guy who I think may pot potentially have a slightly lower ceiling, and I'm not even sure about that. Uh, I, I just lean Brandon Miller here. What was what was the number one thing that stood out to you when you were reviewing the tape from his first two early games? Because I know that yeah. people can talk about the offense, maybe the it defense was some was of the offense. Unreal. Yeah. Thank you. Thank yeah, you. He because... talks so much, and like he is a floor general on that yeah. side of the yep. ball. I, I posted the clip. I sent it to a group chat immediately when it happened because I was cracking up where him and Mark Sears, they're supposed to switch and Sears is like not switching. So <laughs> shoves him into position and then Sears still gets back up like two seconds later. Uh, but yeah, just his ability to communicate on that end, uh, his hands on that end of the floor, his feet are great. And I just think his like physical tenacity gets a little overlooked because he's not, like a super bricked up guy, but he's really willing to engage physically that I think it bodes well for him guarding up and how he can use his chest to wall players off on defense as well. Like the defense is, is really good there. So yeah. And it was, it was going back to exactly what you laid out on the preseason pot, him being used at center in high school. And I, a lot of those fundamentals, they're translating beautifully into college basketball. He is so disciplined on that end. That's what really blew me away. You talked about a lot of the other big men stuff, like being able to set screens, the short roll game, the pop-out game. We're seeing that already. And, oh, by the way, he's also bringing the ball up the floor, initiating the offense for Alabama, getting them in the sets. The creativity aspect to Brandon Miller's game. Again, I I personally wasn't wasn't blown away by anything he was doing offensively. I mean, he's he's had some good games. I think some of the shots he's hit are nice. But yeah, it was the defensive stuff that really stood out to me. And you throw in some of those fundamentals that we talked about at that center spot, that Pelicans team, now you can play this really funky, small defensive first lineup with like him and like Herb Jones and Dyson Daniels and Alvarado, like all these guys out on the floor together. I just love NBA teams that can deploy different lineups depending on what they need. And the versatility that the Pelicans have on their roster is it, it, it's insane. And it could get even more insane with Brandon Miller in the fold. So. And not to mention too, that he could be an offensive boost too. Like we're singing praises on his defense, but there's some scary offensive upside for this guy yep. too. And the fact that CJ McCollum is waning down, we'll see what happens with Zion and Brandon and how they figure that stuff out. But they can get like another real offensive punch. That's just insane. I agree. Brandon Miller, intriguing pick to the New Orleans Pelicans at number six. So I'm back on the clock. The Detroit Pistons are up. 
with the seventh overall pick. I cannot let this man slide anymore. I'm going to take Cam Whitmore. And Cam was one of the guys that was certainly high on my preseason board, even before we were doing summer evaluations. I was talking about him on social media last year, like make sure you're watching out for Cam Whitmore, the McDonald's games, et cetera. I love this guy. He is a physical specimen. He's a six foot seven combo forward. And I wrote down what do the Detroit Pistons need outside of a little bit of wing depth? They need a defensive-minded combo forward. And I think that's exactly what Cam Whitmore would give them with scoring upside. Certainly when he gets downhill, he's getting much better in the mid-post. He has that little mid-range pull-up game. If he extends that shot out beyond three, holy smokes, look out. Because I think he makes a lot of the right decisions on the offensive end. He can guard two through four in the NBA. Give me Cam Whitmore to slot right in with the Detroit Pistons. Give them a different look that they don't really have right now at the three or the four. Sadiq Bey, he's one of the better shooters in the NBA, but he's not that athletic type of forward. Boyan Bogdanovich, again, another one of these awesome combo forward shooters, but he's not the defensive type of player that Cam Whitmore can be. So it would just give them another fun tool in the toolbox. So Cam Whitmore, I think, would be a good fit there. Steven, you're back up. The Orlando Magic with pick number eight. Talk about funky teams. We talked about the Pelicans, yeah. but the Orlando Magic are trotting out even funkier lines. They got like Point Franz going now. They got like Bowl Bowl playing the three. What are <laughs> what are you going to do to this team with the eighth pick? I'm interested in seeing if I could just give them another like tall, like bruising forward. But I'm going to go ahead and give them the highest guy remaining on our um, composite uh, draft deeper board. I'm going to give them Nick Smith Jr. And I think that he gives them something that they don't have right now. It's kind of like take you off of the dribble, playmaking backcourt player that would really give them, it would really just kind of complete the offensive ensemble that they have right now. Defensively, they got enough length behind them to where there's some people that are really big on on the defense that Nick Smith brings at the backcourt. There's some people who are lower. I, I kind of fancy myself somewhere in the middle. But offensively, the stuff that he could run off of a lot of screens from this like land of giants that they have, like it can get him created on some off ball action. He can do some pick and roll, some pick and pick and lob stuff. I mean, there's just a, a number of ways that Orlando could employ him. And I'm really impressed with the offensive sets that they're running already. You give them like a bursty, long shooting, scoring yeah. guard. That's just something else that they don't have in their system right now. No disrespect to like Cole Anthony. Um, or Jalen Suggs. I'm really, I was really high on both of them, and I appreciate both of their skill levels. But just to take you off the bounce, um, long range interior mixed with the defensive ability, I think that he can play well alongside Jalen or alongside Cole. Uh, but adding some guard depth on this team that's got nothing but tall creation pieces, I think that it's going to help them out tremendously here. So give me a uh, Nick Smith Jr. to Orlando. No, I, I do want to evaluate Nick Smith's defense this year, Stephen, really closely because if if that would come to pass, if that pick would come to pass, and he is uh, a, a good defender at the guard spot using his six foot five size, his length, on top of all the athleticism he possesses, that vertical pop that we talk about, the the mm-hmm. scoring package, the three level scoring package, he could be he could be like a bigger version of what Cole Anthony kind of is for that team already. Yeah. Which when you talk about you know, I, I was obviously a big Cole Anthony guy too myself, but 
if we're talking about starting guards and where the NBA is going with having plus positional size everywhere on the floor, you could slot in a bigger guard like Nick Smith alongside Jalen Suggs. And now you're talking about a more interesting backcourt. I wouldn't fault Orlando for making that pick either. So I I think that was a, a good selection at number eight. Maxwell, you're on the board at number nine, the Oklahoma City Thunder. A little mm-hmm. surprising to hear them at the yeah. nine spot yeah. in a mock draft. But they, they listen, they've been playing well lately. They they had a good game against the New York Knicks today as we're recording this podcast on Sunday the 13th. We have selected eight of our top nine players in our composite ranking. So we really haven't deviated too far off base. I guess I was the one who technically threw the tailspin in with Keontae George at four. But the ninth guy out of our top nine, I'm staring right down the barrel at a perfect fit, in my opinion, with the Thunder. Are you going to go that direction? I think I'm not. I think I'm taking the guy that I like. I think I'm taking the guy that you yelled at me for liking more than the guy that you're thinking about. Uh, I'm taking a Sar Thompson with this thing. Oh, wow. Look, I know, I know, Oklahoma City, there's there is some like lack of shooting among a lot of their star players, at least at this point in the season, they're ranked 29th in the NBA in three point percentage. So I know taking a guy with the questionable jump shot, it seems a little iffy. This is still a team that's in rebuilding mode. This is still a team that needs as much high level, high ceiling talent as they can get. And that's what a start Thompson is. And I think if Chet Holmgren is going to be healthy, this is a guy who profiles extremely well next to him. And if not, he profiles well next to Jeremiah Robinson Earl. Uh, is a front court partner as well. Um, but he's six seven. He is a live wire in transition. His passing game is really impressive. He finishes with power, uh, but he's got a lot of junk, a lot of Euro steps, uh, things like that to get there. I've been impressed. It looks like he's added a hook shot to his game recently uh, in the post as well. But unlike Amen Thompson, the outside shot looks quite nice for Asar at this point. It's very cleaned up. Nathan, you got to look at it a, a little bit, I believe. Um, that, that Steven got there. a better look Steven at got it than to I see did. It. Yeah, because he was hurt. Yep. Pro day. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm buying that progression. And I just think his decision-making, this is a team that in some ways is kind of short on athletes. Like Shea is like a walking rim touch, but like Giddy is more of like a footwork guy. Dort is more of like a, a big body uh, who's going to take more th- – uh, you know, kind of easy stuff. I think just having another guy with real burst that could offer some second side creation from you uh, from time to time really kind of livens things up. But at this stage with the Thunder, I am still just like star hunting. I'm just trying to get the highest ceiling guys. And I think this guy has a higher ceiling than the person that we have ranked ahead of him on our composite mock. Is Who's the guy I love? I love that guy. I've got him ninth. But uh, I think this guy's ceiling is, is a little more tantalizing at this stage. So if you're listening to the podcast, right, you've now heard Maxwell take both Thompson twins. Yeah. You would have thought that he was the one who took the trip down to Georgia to see the <laughs> overtime elite program. And not maybe he needed to. Steven. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe, maybe we needed to send Maxwell. I guess, yeah. I need I guess... you guys to send me some more intel about what, what I'm missing here. <laughs> yeah. We, uh, we, we, we got that wrong at, at no ceilings, but no, I, I, I love the enthusiasm about both of the Thompson twins and, and a source game in particular. I mean, Maxwell, yeah, you watched the same workout tape that I did. That's floating around social media lately, where he is just nailing all of these fun, creative little jump shots. And the old workout he, video. Yeah. Uh, in game two, he was like three for six from three the other day. Like it's, it's getting there. 
He is. He he is. The the overtime elite program did start their regular season. City Reapers have already had a few fun games. So no, he he is doing it in game as well. But I, I think Maxwell had a little birdie named Corey Tulliba, uh whispering into his ear lately about you. You got to move up a Sore Thompson on your board. You got to take him pretty high. I had hey, I had Asar higher than this. Asar was eight on my board, so I have not moved Asar an inch this entire time. I was the guy who was high on Asar before. When everybody else in No Ceilings was saying, uh, this guy, I don't know about this guy. What if he can't shoot? Is Before he it was cool, good? Maxwell was there. Before it was cool, I was the Asar Thompson hipster at No Ceilings. There well, you go. I'm not there yet, but I love the boldness of the pick. So uh, the other Thompson twin, Asar, was 11th on our composite big board. So Maxwell reached down a little bit, but not, not too far. Just I can, not on my board. He was eight on my board, though. Okay, okay, so eight on Maxwell's board. So he didn't reach. In fact, by Maxwell's standards, he he got some value for the Oklahoma City, which is Sam Presti. He is the king of getting value. A- a- am I right in all of his trades and draft picks and everything he does? So job well done in Oklahoma City. So I'm on the board with the 10th overall pick, the San Antonio Spurs. I will not pass on the man who I wanted Maxwell to take. I will draft Jairus Walker for the Spurs. Man, man, I'm watching these first few Houston games, guys. I'm in love. I'm in absolute love. And that first game, the shooting was not pretty. He really wasn't contributing that much in the scoring department, but everything else he did, his defensive instincts, his awareness, his verticality, his rebounding effort, his physical stature, like guys just cannot... Guys just cannot do anything with him, and they won't at the college level all year long. And if he's taking very similar to Keontae George that he had a poor shooting performance game one, came out game two against St. Joe's, was hitting threes, hitting some Mm -hmm. outside shots, making sure that he was well taken care of in the scoring department as far as his box score stats. If if that's the type of Jairus Walker we're getting all year long, boys, we have him mocked too low. At number 10, I really do think he could challenge higher than that. I have him higher than that on my personal board. We talk about upside. Maxwell, I get where you're going with Asar's upside as if he's a potential go-to scorer at the wing position in the NBA with some of his defense, with some of the passing tools. I get where you're making that upside argument. I don't know what Jairus Walker's upside is right now. I think he could have some scary, scary upside that we might not even be seeing the full extent of right now. And just the idea of bringing him into a San Antonio team that needs more physicality. We don't know what's going to happen with some of the vets on the squad. We don't know where Yaka Pertle is going to be. We don't know where some of these other big men are going to be. We know Charles Bassey, they brought him in. He's been playing well. But you're telling me if they can play Jairus Walker at that spot instead with some of the passing upside that he has, with some of his post-up game, if he keeps the shooting touch rolling, you're telling me they're not going to want to give him and spoon-feed him more of those minutes? I don't know, man. I, I like that fit in the, in the San Antonio system, so give me Jairus Walker. Steven, you are up. This is fun. This is an interesting yeah. wrinkle in our lottery. We get the Utah Jazz making two straight lottery picks. I don't get to make one of those picks, but you guys do. This yeah. first pick Maxwell, is coming... A little team building. Mm-hmm. That's right. A little, little team building. Let's see if you guys can play off each other in, in the lottery process. So this pick is via the, the Minnesota Timberwolves. And boy, watching them right now, they, they would love to have this pick. Sorry, Metcalf. But nevertheless, take got another center for the Jazz. That's right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, you're going to give him another center to play alongside Walker Kessler. Where are you going? 
Um, yeah. So Maxwell and I were gonna we're rebuilding the Utah Jazz. I actually mm-hmm. picked for them later on in this mock draft too. So I get two of the three. Maxwell, you get to help me out. And if I'm Utah, like it's pie in the sky right now. I can literally do whatever, and the vibes are just gonna gonna continue to be good. The best team in the West, Utah Jazz. How about those words? How about it? The best team in the West, and they get a lottery pick. They get two lottery picks. Right? Yeah, <laughs> it's back, insane. Yeah. So I got Mike Conley on a partially guaranteed twenty four point four mil. Rudy Gay is a free agent. Nikhil Alexander Walker is restricted free agent. Balmaro and Azubuike are on team options. Um. I'm just going to take a swing for the fence here. I'm going to pick the player who I think has the most star potential at this spot. I'm going to dip a little bit down the board. I'm going to pick up a guy who's playing about six, seven hours north of me, and I'm going to take Gigi Jackson right here. That's a great pick. He's, he's young. He looks like he can do a lot. He has the right energy for this like youthful, fun, funky like Island of Misfit Toys, Utah Jazz team. Once he figures out basketball, like this kid is going to be incredible because he's just playing on pure hustle and instinct right now. Once he starts getting development and playing under a coach right now, who I think is one of the best coaches in the NBA, I just think that this makes all the sense in the world. There's no pressure on him because he's going to be playing in Utah and he's not going to be starting. So I I love this pick for Utah right here with for with the uh, uh, GG Jackson. You mentioned star upside, some of the things that he's already doing in two games for South Carolina, some of the fun pick and roll actions they're having him play out of the pull up jump shooting. We know about the the rim running, tantalizing potential in transition, some of the passing flashes that that we may very well see from GG Jackson. I know Maxwell's working on a fun GG Jackson piece for this week, so can't wait for everybody to read that one. It's going to be so myself awesome. included. Mm-hmm. It's going to be it's going to be fantastic. What what's the title of that piece, Maxwell? Oh, GG's that... Big Adventure. Yeah. That's gold. <laughs> That's pure gold. <laughs> had that, to do that, it. Had to that do that, it that made me smile from from <laughs> ear to ear when mm-hmm. you told us that. So yeah, that that is a that's a fantastic pick for you. Who by the way, GG Jackson could be too low. In this exercise, he might be, I, yeah. very well could I, be. I threw out the name for a comparison preseason that I have never uttered for another prospect. I threw out the Chris Weber name for GG Jackson, and you you just see how he moves on the floor, man. It's it, it's it's scary hours, and I can't wait mm-hmm. to see how he continues to develop this year and beyond. Maxwell, you're up with the second Utah yeah. Jazz lottery pick. Where are you going? Yeah, so. Me and Steven were team building here, and I, I like Gigi Jackson quite a bit. I picked him before he played a game just because I thought it was one of the most interesting stories in college basketball, and I just kind of wanted to see where it went. And I'm, like, really impressed. I think my favorite thing about Gigi is that in those games, he did not carry himself like he was the highest-rated recruit in program history. Like, he mm-hmm. plays like he is a part of the team. Uh, and I am really enamored with what he might be able to become. So with that being said, the next highest guy on my board is a big, and I kind of just want to give Gigi the space to explore that studio and see what he can become. I don't want to be like a burden into him. I don't want to give him any thoughts in the back of his head about what might be going on. And I've got another guy that I rocketed up my board uh, where we talked about, hey, are we going to edit boards or use, or use just the preseason boards that we had uh, when we did this episode? 
and I said, if I can end my board, I just want to insert one oh, guy. There's I know where one you're going. guy I want to insert here. And look, I'm I'm still a bit iffy on if I went way too high, if I got a little lost in the sauce of first day college basketball where low end D one teams are just getting walloped. Am I doing a podcast with 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 Corey Tolliver and Tyler Metcalf? Or am I doing one with Max? No, see, I, I see. Know. I was low on Jet. I was, and I'm taking Jet Howard. Uh, here we go. Yep. Here's, oh, here's what I like about Jet Howard. I think the floor on Jet Howard is what I underestimated. I so preseason where I differed from Corey and Metcalf. I did not like the in between stuff. I didn't like his finishing at the rim. I did not like his ball handling, and I did not like his passing. I thought it was all just bog standard stuff for a, a prospect i think we I all was, felt that way on this podcast when we talked we about did him. yeah for sure um i did not anticipate him to be a guy who through two games is averaging four and a half assists um the feel is just like oozing out of him i love yep. how quick his feet are defensively i like that before the season um but just seeing how well it's scaled up i didn't anticipate it to be this good out of the gate um, the shot making is further along than I expected and not just like the catch and shoot stuff. I still, I still need to see more from him getting downhill. I need to see more at rim finishing. Like that's the stuff that could kind of bump him down. But I think you're talking about a kid who's six, eight has the pro pedigree has wonderful lateral athleticism. Uh, and he's just a real trustworthy decision maker. Like these guys pan out. Like we always talk about size field defense players turning out add in like this high level of a jump shot. And like, I, it's just hard for me unless like everybody in this class really hits to see him like falling beyond the lottery, which thing by like we talked the other day about how nobody's really stunk so far. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm very enamored with jet Howard at this point. So Maxwell did reach down a little bit. So really yeah. jet Howard could have technically been higher on our composite board. I did not change my rankings from where I had on preseason. So I am the little, he's not a coward. Ball. Like I am. <laughs> that was yeah, the only one I, I got changed. a little scared to too. He wasn't going to fall past 14. I, mm. I had him at 36 on my preseason board. So while I'm dragging him down in this composite exercise, I can assure you when we do this exercise again, another month from now, I will probably have Jed Howard higher on my board to where he will be higher in these composite rankings. So it it only looks like a reach because of yours truly. You're you're welcome, America. So and, and any other countries who are listening to this podcast, by the way, shout shout out to everywhere else in the world. That's a fun pick. I appreciate the pick. Jed Howard is definitely a Utah Jazz type of player. Maybe not. Maybe not just in the way that the Utah jazz are playing right now, but really what that organization has always stood for, right? They're, they're a draft first organization who develops prospects and brings players in to play the game of basketball the right way, very similar to how the San Antonio Spurs have run their organization for many years. So that seems like a very good pick for a franchise that rebuilding retooling. I don't know what they're doing right now. They're just going out there having fun and winning basketball games and, and Jet Howard, for what he's shown in Michigan already, I have a few words coming from him in my latest morning dunk. He's doing everything he can to contribute to winning basketball. So I do love that about him. Okay. Miami Heat, 13th overall. Mm. I'm back on the board. So for the Miami Heat, I wrote they need backcourt defense and point guard depth. They could... Maybe take another big man behind Bam Adebayo, depending on how you feel about Omer Yurt 7. 
depending on how you feel about some of the other fun combo forwards they have who are masquerading as fives. I am going to go in the backcourt, though. I'm going to go Case and Wallace out of Kentucky. Okay. Love I, I love I love Case and Wallace. This guy comes out first game, damn near puts up a triple-double, right? And it, it wasn't just the floater touch that we knew he had. It wasn't just some of the pull-up stuff that we knew he had. It wasn't just the 94-feet style defense, which we knew he had. Some of the playmaking flashes that he showed the second half of the game, just his willingness to get up on the boards, the defensive glass, grab that ball, go, get out on the break, get everybody else involved, not just transition opportunities for himself. Some of the stuff he was doing scoring out of the pick and roll, I loved how he was navigating some of those opportunities. What Kaysen's doing he is one of the most complete guards that I think Kentucky's had in quite a while. Yeah. He might be underrated at this point. If he's taken at 13 overall, like to, to me, he seems like a top 10 guy. And Corey and Albert just did a fantastic segment on the draft act. If you didn't miss, if you missed that episode this past week, they did the top 40 draft market rankings. They were talking about Case and Wallace and they had a really funny bit. They went back and forth about with Case, where Kaysen's kind of like the guy who we should love as draft analysts, but we're, we're not really loving him the same way that he's probably trying to love on us, showcasing all the parts of his game. I would agree there's with no that chase, wholeheartedly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah there, there's there's no chase, as Albert was talking about with Corey. But yeah, Kaysen yeah, Wallace for me is a guy who, if he's playing behind Kyle Lowry, if he gets to learn from somebody like that, if he gets to play alongside Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo and these rough riders that they are down in Miami, that's the type of player who I would want to bring into that organization. Give me Kaysen Wallace. Steven. You're mm. making the last pick in the lottery, my friend. The New York Knicks. New York. There's a few names. There's a few yeah. interesting names. There's one in particular who we have not hit on yep. in our lottery who got a top 10 grade yep. in our composite rankings. I'm curious, where are you, where are you going to go with that 14th pick? Well, I wasn't expecting that name to be here. I wasn't expecting Jet Howard to already be taken. I thought I was going to shock everybody on the podcast. I was looking at Jet to go to New York because I feel like he's exactly what they need. You know, a, a, a wing that can shoot and play off of guys like Brunson and Barrett and, and Julius Randle. But seeing as how the wing depth is kind of in question, they need shooting, um, I think, on the perimeter. They also need a big man, right? Because Mr. Robinson is probably good for maybe 30 games <laughs> out of a season. They're really big into Hartenstein. I love Hartenstein, but he's probably not who you want to be starting at that five spot long term. He's probably more of like a second or third big in your rotation type of guy. Yep. Perfect back. Go ahead and give yep. Yeah, go ahead and give me lively. I think that he's exactly what they need. I think that he fits this team uh needs to a T. Athletic big man, uh very promising, a rim protector, rebounder can do a little bit on offense. I'm expecting that the that the shot will be able to travel eventually. Um, it's just really interesting that he was considered the top guy in his class, and we had him like barely in the top 10 collectively at no ceilings. At On Draft Deeper, we barely have him at that level. And now on our mock posit show, he is the last lottery pick. It's just really strange. And I just think that we need to see more of him. But I think that 
you can't beat the value that the Knicks are going to be getting um, at Derek Lively at the 14th spot. Yeah, I have Derek Lively number nine on my personal board. Steven, you have him at 10. Maxwell has him at 11. So we're, we're pretty aligned with where we have him. I would agree with you. I didn't expect to see his name here as low as 14, but a lot of the What's other wrong options, with them? A, a, a lot of the other options, though, that were taken in front of him, I think we we lost Maxwell, man. We're gonna we have lost to, uh, Maxwell. We're going to have to oh, get Maxwell back. Hey, there we are. So we got him. There he is. Yep. Hey, we got him. He's good, back. Good, good, good old internet troubles. But yeah. a- anyways, we, we wouldn't have expected Lively to be here this low in this exercise. Steven asked, what, what's wrong with him? I don't know if there's anything wrong with him. I think because we haven't seen him play yet, that might be a reason why everyone's not uh, eager already to raise news. him up on their personal board. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's old news. He he did dress the other night on Friday. He had, he had four points, two rebounds, two blocks, and limited minutes. Yeah, I watched it. Uh, I, I thought he looked fine. Like, he didn't, like, jump off the page for me, but I'm with you on Lively. Like, I'm I'm still on Derek Lively Island to a degree. Um I watched him in person at the McDonald's game and I was just so blown away by how big and bouncy he is. Like that dude moves like a forward. Yep. And I think there's a lot of great athletes in this class. And a lot of people are just overlooking the fact that there's a seven, two dude with a seven, nine wingspan that that moves like he does. Um, yeah. Like there's some weird, I don't want to say like motor issues. Cause that sounds bad, but like there are times where it's like, just take over the game. And that that's kind yeah. of what I want to see from him. Maxwell. Um, I'm excited where you're going to go with the 15th overall pick with the Indiana Pacers because look, look out. Here come the Indiana Pacers, right? You have, mm-hmm. you have Tyrese Halliburton making an all-star push. You still have Buddy Heald and Miles Turner on the roster. It doesn't doesn't seem like the Lakers are going to be in that much of desperation mode to pluck them away from Indiana. Ben Matherin, oh, by the way, Ben Matherin making a strong rookie of the year push. If it wasn't for Paolo Bencaro at playing absolutely bananas down in Orlando, Ben Mather would probably be the favorite for the Rookie of the Year award. So many interesting, fun, young, talented pieces. And you can add another one with the 15th pick. Where are you going to go? Yeah, so I'm picking a guy who has like not had the best start to the season. <laughs> um, but I do think that I, I trust him to turn it around. And I think that this is a pick that we might look back on at the end of the season and be like, ah, no way. Like this, this was a big missed call or whatever, but I, I, I'm still believing in this guy. I'm taking Arthur Kaluma from, Hey, there we go. I love it. I love it. I'm still confident in him. Um, so through two games, Kaluma, the outside shot isn't falling. The inside shot isn't really falling either. Uh, he's hitting his free throws. He's rebounding. He's moving well, but, uh, just some, some rough, rough shooting outings so far for Kaluma. So I was really impressed with him in what I saw of his World Cup play uh, this offseason. I think that uh, at FIBA, rather, um, he had some counters on the perimeter. I thought his shooting touch looked better. I thought his strength inside and finishing touch there looked better. He was using more pace, hesitation. He was playmaking better. There was more patience to his game. Um, defensively, I feel like the actual play is lagging a little bit behind as far as what the tools can be. Um, but just the the progress that I saw from him from freshman year of college throughout the season, that big last 10 game stretch, then what we saw in international play. And this year we're not seeing it yet, but I think we will. Um, but he would just give them somebody with, with upside of the forward spots. I like the idea of Matherin and Halberton remaining a true backcourt 
and yep. playing those two guys at the guard spots and then giving them some more athleticism and forwards around them, uh, getting more of those big wing types that you can just play big lineups with size. That's where the league is headed. Um, and I think Kaluma would just fit nicely in there. He's not super high maintenance, uh, but I think that what he's showing as far as his development with his playmaking for himself is very intriguing. We're, we're all in on Arthur Kaluma. I'm very much also a believer in Arthur Kaluma. I think he's a great pick here at 15, was number 14 on our composite board. So you have to think, had I adjusted my board for the Jet Howard experience after week one, we would have probably taken the top 15 players with the first 15 picks in our mock draft exercise. So I'm actually pretty happy with, with how this has turned out so far. We'll see if I keep the happiness going with what I'm about to do. The Orlando Magic are up via the Chicago Bulls with the 16th overall pick. I'm making this selection. So they could use a little bit of shooting guard depth. They could use a little bit more wing depth. I'm I'm tempted to just completely throw this off the rails and say, screw it. And I think do that's it. what I'm going to do. I'm going to take Baba Miller. At, Whoa, at let's, let's go. go. That's so, so on brand. The, the Orlando, yeah, we're, we just want to be on brand in Orlando, right? We we want to try and make picks that we do realistically think the franchise would make. And even though we haven't seen Baba Miller, we won't see Baba Miller for half the year. At the same time, all of the tape that we all watched during the preseason internationally, man, the fun things he can do as this jumbo-sized, you can call him a wing because he can handle it in transition. He can finish at the rim on the break as much as you can have him sprint out to the corners and nail some corner threes off the break. He can do some fun things in the half court, despite that really being the part of his offensive game that needs to come along him actually beating guys off the bounce in the half court and making decisions off of those live dribble actions. He needs to get better at some of that stuff, but just the two way type of potential he could bring to the table, a team that, we have no idea what Jonathan Isaac's still going to do with, with the Orlando Magic, but when you talk about somebody who could fill in and play that sort of a role for this team, be another one of these crazy big guys you can throw out in a lineup with a Wendell Carter, a Bull Bull, a Paolo, a Franz. You could put Baba Mill out there. He has a lot of those same ball skills to where he's not really lost in the sauce out there. So I love Baba for, for the Orlando Magic. I think that's a fun name to throw into the mix for another first round pick for Orlando. So that's where I'm going. Baba Miller, number 16. Steven, because of the pick swap, you're drafting for the LA Lakers, making one of the picks where anybody listening to this podcast could boo you as much as cheer you, because that's just what the LA Lakers fan base does. They need everything, everything. right? I think that's we, literally we just... what I have in my team needs is everything. Everyone on their roster right now, either is a restricted free agent, a free agent, or has a player option other than Anthony Davis and and LeBron James. Literally so, everybody. So that leads me to believe you're you're just not not that we don't go BPA in our exercise. I think our mock draft clearly shows that we're going BPA for the most part and somewhat factoring in team fit. You're definitely going BPA here. Who who is the best guy in your opinion left to, to give to the Lakers? I don't know if I go PPA because the two guys that we have um, next up on our big board, they're like side by side. And I think I'm kind of feeling the second guy a little bit more than the first guy as someone who can plug in beside Anthony Davis and LeBron James more. 
and potentially has long-term upside to be able to have a team kind of built around him. I'm going to go Jalen Hushkafino here. I I'm love gonna it. Go, love it. I'm going to I'm going to go Jalen Hushkafino for he the He took Los Maxwell's Angeles pick. Lakers. We know that he mm-hmm. wanted to make that pick. I know. I know he took Jet Howard for me to the Knicks, so it's only right that I took uh, Jalen Hushkafino and put him here. Listen, we have Anthony Black. You're going to hear the name later. Um he and Jalen Hushkafino were neck and neck on our mock posit board here. And I just think that Jalen has the better scoring upside um, between the two of them. I do like Anthony Black a little bit better defensively. And I think he might have a step on him playmaking wise, but if so, it's not by very much. And just like the more that I'm watching of both of these guys, Jalen Hushkafino gives me way more vibes that he could be more of a of a self-creator scoring-wise between the two of them. And if this team burns down to the ground and you can only take one of these two guys left, I think that Jalen Hushkafino is the guy for the Lakers. So JHS is off the board. That That's a great pick. That That's a LeBron pick. I think LeBron would love playing alongside somebody like him, another really good ball mover, somebody who can play some of those pick-and-roll actions without LeBron having to be involved. You can throw LeBron yeah. in. Sort of put put him in the short roll with some of those with JHS. You can obviously play him and Anthony Davis in those actions alongside. And if more of the shooting comes around, which we all think that it will, he becomes a viable catch-shoot option next to those guys. I just think with that, with the 6'6 size, with the length, with the defensive upside, that's that's exactly what the Lakers need. They just need a guy who can do a little bit of everything, which Anthony Black could have done for them as well. But I think I'd rather have JHS. Honestly, to be perfect, to be perfectly honest with you guys, I think that's who I would rather go with. Maxwell, we'll see what direction you go with. This is back-to-back picks for the New York Knicks. The first one being via the Wizards, the second one being via the Mavericks. Where are you going for the first of two? They already drafted Derek Lively earlier. They already like, took Lively, so we got the yeah. all three of us are building up the Knicks. Mm-hmm. So I, to me, there is like a, a real clear drop off in talent at this point in the draft. Do you guys agree agree with that? Okay. I was like, am I not like, am I missing somebody? Okay, good. Um, yeah, I'm just not wild about my options here. I like, I would love to just swing for the fences on a guy here and there's nobody that I'm really dying to swing on. Uh, look, this is another terrible shooting team. This is the 28th ranked team in the league. I in three point percentage right now. I'm not making that any better with this pick. This is a guy who has had (laughs) a brutal start to the season that I predicted might have a rough start and a rough college season, but a player that I'm still interested in because of the tools, I'm going to take Anthony black. Okay. okay. I'm going to be real. I don't feel good about this at all. I don't feel good about this, but I think it's weird. I think he's the highest ceiling player left. And I think that if you're the New York Knicks, like, there's no path to a title that you're on right now. So I think, I think you're rolling dice because I'm not crazy about any of the role player fits for this team. Like I thought about Marcus Sasser for a second, but it's like, I'm not going to play him and Jalen Brunson together as much as I love Marcus Sasser. Um, I'm not taking Kalal Ware and Derek Lively together. I just don't like that fit at all. Um, Amari Bailey is just another non, I, I just don't think athletically the idea of him and Brunson next to each other really clicks. His, his best case version of himself is another Brunson. Exactly. Another Brunson, yeah. So, so I, I'm just going to take the really toolsy athlete who I know can defend a couple positions and has the playmaking upside 
and hope to God he figures out a way to put the ball in the basket because so far through two college games, he has not. Um, but I'm going to roll the dice on size, playmaking, and athleticism. God, I'm so, I'm so, I want to go further down the board and take somebody else Do it. for the Knicks. Now, I won't go too far down the board. I will, though, however, take the guy who, in theory, Maxwell, I think he has even more upside than Anthony Black. If everything hits for this young man, we have him a little low in our composite rankings as to where everybody else has him around the country, as it seems. Maxwell, you might you might be the lowest on this guy that I think I've seen, period. But Dylan Mitchell, we're bringing Dylan Mitchell off the board for the New York Knicks. So you, you, you laid it out perfectly, Maxwell. This team is not in a position to contend for a title. They got to take swings. You bring in a guy with very high feel like Anthony Black. You bring in a guy like Lively who with his combination of physical tools, 7-1 size, the athleticism, the ability to run the floor like a guard or a wing, and the shooting upside along with the shot blocking upside. Now you're throwing Dylan Mitchell in there, another hyper athlete who can play alongside both of those guys and provide some interesting utility for a team that needs athleticism, needs defensive upside, another guy who can run the floor, catch those lobs from Jalen Brunson or R.J. Barrett. They need somebody like him in the lineup to be able to contribute. And outside of if we were, if he, if they did actually get lively in real life, they don't have another guy on the roster with the same kind of athleticism that Dylan Mitchell would be able to inject into whether he was a coming off the bench, whether he found a way into the starting lineup, whatever the case may be, New York could use a fun and exciting player like him. I, I thought about Traquavian Smith. But he just he seems too redundant for what they already have with Emmanuel quickly. And I think they really like Emmanuel quickly. I don't I know he was involved in some of the potential trade talks with Donovan Mitchell and the Utah Jazz. I, I don't think they're gonna get off quickly. So that's why I think this is a safer upside pick for the Knicks. So Steven, you're at pick 20. You have the Toronto Raptors. You can also go a number of directions. You can go down the board. You can stay where you're at in terms of where these guys are ranked in our composite, where are you going to go for the Toronto Raptors? Yeah, it's really interesting because some of the players that are projected to not be here um, still are. And there are some that I, you know, thought that would be taken and and they're still here. Um, I want to go point guard because look, Fred Van Vliet has a player option. Gary Trent Jr. has a player option that, Thad Young might be out the door. Otto Porter could be too. Delano Banton's a restricted free agent. I don't know if there's like a weird market for him and he walks. I'm going to go point guard. There's two that I'm looking at and it's not the highest one that I'm looking at on our board either. I think I'm going to go to Quavion Smith here for the Toronto Raptors because one of the things that we know that they need is like shot creation self-creation, half-court shooting, and Terquavion Smith can give you all of those things. He looks amazing athletically. His playmaking looks like it's taken a step up so far in the early part of this season. Defensively, he kind of gives you some feisty competitiveness, and if not, there's, you know, Coloco, there's Barnes, there's like no, like OG, there's no shortage of defenders on this team. Give me the the hot hand of Turquavion Smith, who looks like he's taking a, a, a decent step up in his sophomore season. An interesting pick 
I, I do agree with the premise that they are running a little dry on point guard depth. With all respect to Malachi Flynn, I love Malachi Flynn coming out of the draft. He, he doesn't look like he's going to be the team's long-term starter behind if Fred Van Vliet would in fact move on. So that being said, regardless of who's the starter or who they need to come off the bench, Terquavion Smith has some of the highest upside in this draft as one of these lethal microwave six-men type of guys who can just come in and hit six threes in a row and immediately get your team back into any game that you would need him to. That's thought about Sasser. Sasser would be another good option. Um, Certainly, if you want to build around backcourt defense, he'd be the better pick between him and Terquavion. But Terquavion could still be too low in this mock exercise. We could come back two months from now, and he could be as high as 14, 13. He He could break into the lottery because of the type of offensive dynamo that he can be in the backcourt. So 20 Terquavian Smith, that, that feels about right to me. I will not fault the pick, Steven. I think you did a good job laying out what the team needs and going with one of the best solutions for it. Maxwell, Clippers, yep. pick 21. What are we doing? Yeah, so the Clippers generally have like just taken upside talent. Like I think it's yeah. it's sort of a misnomer that these teams that are competing are always looking to grab guys that can help them right now. Cause most of the time rookies don't, they don't help. Um, they've been very clever about getting high upside players in the draft and then just dealing them when a deal comes up to get somebody who's good. So I'm going to do the same thing here. Um, they just took a big in the last draft in Musa Diabate. Um, so I, I Kalel Ware, I feel like we are lower on than a lot of people. And I, I, I just like the idea of what he could be in time. And I well, watched... why why are we lower on him, Maxwell? What do you what do you think our reservation? Because yeah. it's not just us three. I think as, as yeah, collective yeah, yeah. and no ceilings, we might be a little low. Yeah. So here's my thing with Kalel Ware. I liked Kalel Ware a lot. When we did our piece on like incoming freshmen, I wrote about him and I was I, I really liked him as like a guy who would be taken in this range. Uh, he's who I'm going to take here. I think our reservation with Kalel Ware is that he is still very thin, which like nothing wrong with that. I think that's like the lowest one uh, as far as like why we're lower on him. Like that's the, the smallest reason. Um, the jump shot is still a lot more theoretical than I think people realize. I think people talk about Kalel Ware like he is a knockdown three-point shooter. And he's mm. just not bad at that at, at this stage. Nope. I think defensively he has a lot more lapses. I think people talk about him like, oh yeah, he's like a three and D big. And the defense is so really inconsistent and mm-hmm. that's okay at his age. But um, when you look at just the amount of responsibilities that are loaded onto a big in the modern NBA, uh, it's pretty scary when you have a guy that, that has those kind of lapses and can get lost. And I, can, I, I can don't even know if it's just that. I, I think he's legitimately slow getting to where he needs to be in the half court. defensively. He, he is like we talk about guys who are sneaky athletic he is sneaky slow off the floor yeah because he looks yeah. like a guy that should be a pogo stick leaper and there's times where like in the high school film where like he wouldn't even jump like when, when a guy you, would take a shot go, in his face and he wouldn't even like get off the floor for it when you go at him he will swat your shot away if you try to go into his body he, he knows what to do with you when he's there but the problem is can he get to where he needs to go mm-hmm. i know that he was just coming back I, I believe from a small injury, he got a, a few minutes in Oregon's first game. I watched some of that tape. I get that we're going to have to be patient with Kaloera for, for a little bit. But at the same time, just given what we saw on the preseason tape that we all watched during the summer and what we're starting to see here, yeah, I, I have the same questions that, that you guys do. And I'm 
I'm not sold. I, I'm not sold that he needs to be a top 20 pick. I think Derek Lively needs to be a top 20 pick. I'm not sure that Kalelware needs to be one, but maybe we change our tune if he does end up being better defensively. Maybe he is a little bit quicker to his spots in the half court. Maybe he is nailing that three-point shot with regularity. Maybe he does jump up our board to where we're looking back two months from now. We're going, why did we only have him? Uh, outside the top 20 in a mock exercise. But he has to prove that to us. So His I, mobility I did look better so far in the early part of the season than like mm-hmm. what it looked like to me at the high school level. So the I mobility agree. concerns look a little like maybe they were a little overreactionary on my part, but there's still like the defensive liability stuff that I that I still see in him early on. But, you know, he can improve on that. So I'm up. I'm up for the Atlanta Hawks at 22. This team definitely needs some more wing depth. They started to add to it with A.J. Griffin, who, by the way, has played pretty well in, in spurts for the Looks Atlanta Hawks. Awesome. Shout, shout, out, <laughs> shout out to A.J. Griffin. He's having a lot of fun out there. They need guys who can just shoot off the ball, right? They need guys who can just catch and shoot off of those Trey Young looks. Whoever Trey Young's dancing with in the pick and roll, he needs to find the corner kickout guy. They need somebody who could knock those shots down reliably. I'm going to go Chris Murray here. I'm going to go Chris Murray for the Atlanta Hawks. Okay. I think he's he's one of those guys. The, the Hawks have expectations to keep winning basketball games at a high level. I think Chris is a high field guy. He's going to prove that he can come in and knock down a lot of those shots that they need him to right away. And at the same time, he's not necessarily burning them in, in any one particular area. He may not be the best defensive player, I still think there's some tools that can be worked out there with him. I think he's going to provide some some rebounding toughness. And again, that that catch-and-shoot ability or that ability to, to, to hit the line drive off of a hard closeout, I think that's just some of the basic, simple things that the Hawks will ask him to do. And I think that he can do those things well enough for a team that expects to be contending in the playoffs for, for years to come with an offensive superstar like Trey Young is. So give me... Give me Chris Murray to give them a little bit more wing depth. Steven, another fun team you can draft for. The Memphis Grizzlies, who seem like they have a little bit of everything. I'm curious to see what you could throw at them with the 23rd pick. I'm really hating what I'm doing to a guy that's like still sitting there really nicely on our board, just ready to be taken. But there's another guy at his same position who I mentioned earlier that just feels so freaking Memphis Grizzly that I got to take Marcus Sasser. Here yep. he that's like, a great pick. He, he just total Memphis Grizzly vibes like f everybody f the world like it's just me and my team. I can shoot. I can defend. My playmaking is getting better. Don't got to worry about the interior scoring concerns. He's got. He's going to be playing right behind freaking John Morant. He could end up playing next to him in kind of like a DeAnthony Melton mold. If he if he shows that he is like that level of a point of attack defender, Marcus Sasser just screams Memphis Grizzly point guard. And yeah, that's what that's where I'm going. No, he he does. I agree completely. Yes, they have John Moran. Yes, they have Tyus Jones. But to be able to add somebody who can play either the one or the two, he can play off either of those guys as well. Yeah. He He's a really good catch and shoot guy. He can create his own shots. You can put him in some of the pick-and-roll actions if he does need to be the, the third point guard, the only point guard in the floor at a time. And then the defense that you talked about, Steven, it fits perfectly with that grit-and-grind hustle culture that is the Memphis Grizzlies. Great pick by you, sir. I, I love that pick. Thank you, sir. Maxwell, yeah. Indiana Pacers. 
via the Cleveland Cavaliers. There is one guy who I could have taken him for the Hawks when I talked about wing depth. I didn't. I went a different direction, but there's still an upside case to be made with with one particular European talent. I'm curious where you're going to go with this pick. Yeah, so there are two European talents that I actually really considered with this pick. Um, I am going to kind of continue down the path I spoke with about the Pacers earlier um, as far as just getting a little bit more long and athletic. Um, So I'm I'm deviating a little bit, and I'm going to take a different European player who was playing in Australia and take Ryan Mm. Rupert. Nice. Yep. I think that you really have to hope that he just becomes a reliable corner three point shooter. Um, Because that's why I didn't take him for for Atlanta. I thought about it because of the defense, but yeah. So that that's where he interests me. Um, Indiana's defense is ranked in the bottom half of the league. If you go by defensive rating, I think they're yeah twenty fourth right now. Um, Matherin, I think is going to get there as a defender. Halliburton is always going to be a little bit limited athletically. Um, you know, ideally in the future, maybe they're not, uh, counting on Buddy Heald to hold up on defense. <laughs> yeah. He, uh, he, he is not the, the three yeah, in the future. Please. He's no. not. Yeah. They don't call him Buddy Lockdown Heald. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I think, I think with Ryan Repair, you're getting somebody who in time might even be able to play the four. Like, I think we always overlook, like, what's this guy going to play when he really grows into his body? And when you're talking about a guy yeah. like a 7'3 wingspan, like, that's very much on the table for him to see at size. So you really got to hope he becomes a corner three-point shooter, but excellent defender. Trust him as a decision maker. Uh, the shot percentages, I think, actually look better than I, I really feel about the shot. I do not trust his pull-up at this point, but he's long, he's athletic, smart, knows what he's doing. Uh, fun addition and just continuing to try and push that ceiling higher uh, for a team yeah. that's sort of in a, a weird stage of an early rebuild. And Rupert, man, another one of these guys, all of a sudden we could look back and he's getting top 20 mocks because he's playing that well. It's a deep yeah. class, man. It, it is. It's it's a deep class. And, and we all kind of said, right? Like when you get to like that, that 17, 18, 19, you're like, th- there is a talent drop off compared to what we were dealing with in the lottery. But if some of these role players do hit, like NBA teams could be looking back and saying, thankfully we made this pick late in the first round. So I, I agree that the, the talent is still abundant. I'm up pick number 25 for the Phoenix Suns. When I sat down and I was thinking about what do some of these teams need that I'm going to be picking for tonight, guys, the, the Suns, they're, they're playing well in the West. They are, they do seem to be one of the West best teams this year. Yet you look up and down the roster, they, they quietly need a little bit of everything. Like I, I, I could make multiple positional arguments based on where they need to add depth, but one glaring area where they do need depth and they need to start f- thinking about what are we going to look like in the future is point guard. Chris Paul's not going to be there forever. They don't have another answer at that position long-term on the roster. The best bet that I can make long-term with what we have available on the board would be Tyrese Proctor. And that's exactly where I'm going to go. The Duke Proct, six-foot-five guard from Australia. He's He has some interesting tools to work with in his bag. He's one of the better pick-and-roll playmakers that I think we do have in this class. He can guard multiple positions in the backcourt on the defensive side of the ball. If the shot doesn't work out, his projection becomes a little murkier, which I think is why we would have him as a late first-round grade right now. But if more of the shooting and the scoring upside does pan out, 
then all of a sudden we look at this high IQ, transition-ready, defensive-ready guard who can come in and really make an impact for a team in the NBA who, if he's coming in for a contender, would be coming off the bench, get to learn from guards ahead of him like Chris Paul and Devin Booker. That could be a really good spot for somebody like Proctor to come in. So I I like that pick a lot at 25. So, Stephen, an, another draft pick for the Pacers. Man, it seems like these yeah. last few drafts we've had, like some of these teams getting like three first-round picks, and they're making all of these picks, by the way. They're not just trading them or selling them off. Indiana could very well sit there and make uh, multiple first-round picks, certainly two in this 20 to 30 range right here. Where, where are we going with the Indiana Pacers? We got to go best player available. I mean, if you look at our mock draft, this guy is ranked, what, um, 17th on our board and is still sitting there. And uh, when I said interesting when you took Tyrese Proctor, is because Amari Bailey's still there. And if I'm the Indiana Pacers, I understand that I got guards for days. But if I can get the best player available in Amari Bailey here and get long-term, you know, backup point guard, Rotation between Halliburton, if Ben kind of takes over lead ball handling duties, you know, there's there's some there's some uh, logic in building up that backcourt depth because you have, you know, Smith, you have Ajax. We drafted Kaluma, you know, we we, we drafted well, we got repair. So now I'm just going to take Bailey and uh, fortify that backcourt rotation, especially for the future. Yeah, Bailey's 17th on our composite board i'm the lowest on him out of the group i have him 22nd i'm not 100 sold that i would need to take bailey in like the top 20 range right now if i'm going to be perfectly honest so i think getting him later in the first round is an excellent get for a team like indiana who again they have depth they have depth in multiple positions they're young but they also have some interesting veterans still in the mix they want to win basketball games bring in somebody who we think does have high feel and can contribute yep. in a number of ways. So I do like that direction by the Pacers, regardless of if they have Tyrese Halliburton, Andrew Nembhard, Amari Bailey can play off of those guys as well in smaller lineups. So that is a good take pick the by them. TJ McConnell minutes, you know, eventually. Yeah, TJ McConnell will eventually probably not be, be on the Indiana Pacers. So I, I would agree you can slot him in there as well. Maxwell, pick number 27. The Charlotte Hornets are up again via the Denver Nuggets. They got Scoot Henderson. So now they have Scoot Henderson, LaMelo Ball. You have Mark Williams. You have all the other fun young draft picks they had from a few years ago. Bryce McGowan's. Who else can we add to this fun young core for for Charlotte? Yeah, so with Mark Williams being on the team, I know he hasn't like seen a lot of action this year, but it makes me feel better about taking this guy. I believe he's the highest guy left. It's Nikola Durisic, yep. uh, who's playing for Mega mm-hmm. right now. Um, obviously like everyone has picked on the Hornets over here because their defense has been really bad. Their offense is really bad <laughs> this year too. Yeah. Like this is just a team that needs everything. And I think if we've got Scoot out there and then we've also got LaMelo and we can just add another like high level connector piece, Jurisic has not been a consistent outside shooter like over the years, but especially this season through three games, uh, it hasn't played a ton yet. So the sample size is small. Um, but this is also a team that has like a really low free throw attempt rate. And he's a guy who is willing to attack and get downhill and embrace physicality. So just having another guy on the court besides Scoot that's going to bring that to the table, I think is a good thing. Um, even if it doesn't all come together, I think there's a, a nice world where he's just a good complimentary player you bring off the bench uh, between what he can do as a decision maker and attacker. 
Uh, he knows where to be on defense. He's just a little slow to react at this point. Maybe he gets more athletic with NBA training and that comes around. Uh, but yeah, I, I feel good taking Jurisic here. It, it never hurts to have big guys with feel. So I'm on the board for my last pick in this exercise, 28th Chicago Bulls via the Portland Trailblazers. Guys, I'll be honest. I don't love any of the three options that we have left. It, it, I like one this... of them a lot better than the other two for this particular team. So I don't like, there's one guy who a guy on our network would love for you to pick for his team. Oh, I know. Just... But I'm not going to go that direction because I'm not Corey. <laughs> I'm not the biggest time a Hawkes fan. Mm-hmm. I, I was a Julian Strother guy last year. Okay. I'm cooling off that bandwagon a little bit, guys. I th- that I yeah. listen, listen. The Gonzaga Michigan State game it was played on a it was played on an air carrier. All right, it was it was on it was on a ship. I understand it was outdoors. wasn't the type of conditions we wanted basketball game to always be played in. But I haven't seen anything from Julian Strother yet this year to indicate that he will be making strides in the areas I wanted him to improve to be in first round conversation. So therefore, I'm starting to cool on it a little bit. So that leaves Chris Livingston left as the guy who was. I uh, hate it. I was going to. Mm. He, he was number 30, I believe, on our composite board. I'm going to take him here a few spots ahead of 28 just because I'm going to bet on the upside. Yep. I don't really love his game right now either. But in the second half of that game against Howard in particular, I started to see more of it come together. We started to see the athleticism pop a little more. He started to get a little feisty on the glass. We saw some of the interior finishing. If the shot making does come around from the perimeter at some point, he becomes a lot more interesting. It's just that right now he doesn't seem like uh, like a guy who's comfortable creating enough of his own offense to really be in a starting lineup on an NBA floor, but as a guy who could play from the bench who you could bring in in small spurts, get him adjusted to the game. I think that would be a good space for him for a Bulls team that won't, they won't feel the pressure to play him out of the gate right away. But with Chris Livingston, who knows? Maybe we're looking back three months from now and all of a sudden Livingston is showing more of that on-ball creativity and more of that on-ball polish to where we go, okay, when you put this together along with his athletic tools, maybe we are looking at him more as a top 25 pick than a guy who's in like the 26 to 45 range. So we'll see what happens with Livingston, but I'll take the upside guy at number 28. Steven, I know. Now you don't like me anymore because I took your guy for the Utah Jazz at number 29. But you do have two, in my opinion, relatively high field guys left to still draft for a team that all of a sudden wants to win basketball games. So where, where are you going with the Utah Jazz at 29? I'm going to take the guy who I have the highest grade on and who I think is borderline first-round talent, was number 31 on my board. The other guy was like 44, so I got to go. <laughs> I got to go Julian Strother. Okay. Um, I know we just took Jet Howard, right? And I know we got Gigi, so we're building like some forward depth here on this team. You never Maybe have too a- many wings forwards. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you know what's funny? I – Never really bought into the whole three Andy thing with yeah, Julian Strother. Yeah. We talked about that pretty extensively on our returners podcast where Maxwell and I went pretty hard on his isolation defenses, just kind of like more of a hope than it is in a, an actuality right now. 
But when, when shooting, he's not shooting well from the floor, man, it looks ugly out there. It mm-hmm. looks bad. Yeah, he's he's a ghost, you know, and maybe we have him too high collectively already. But yeah, between the two of them, I'm just going to go best best player available. Makes sense. So Maxwell, that means you're left with the last guy, Jaime yeah. Jaquez. That's fine. He's the do, highest. Do, 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 do you have exciting things to say about Jaime Jaquez to, yeah. to pump up the Houston Rockets <laughs> so, fan base? I do. I do. So I watched the UCLA versus uh, Long Beach State game. Uh, partially because I wanted to get early impressions on on Bona and Bailey. I wanted to see No Son Unturned prospect Jadon Jones, who hit a couple threes, played some good defense. Uh, mm-hmm. Played some really good defense on Amari Bailey, actually. Uh, but I was, I was pretty impressed with what I saw from Jaime. And I've bothered Stephen about Jaime for like a year. Like I, like when we first started talking, I was, I was like, why don't you like Jaime Hawkins more? Like I, I, I've always been a Jaime guy. Um, I completely understand reservations about Jaime Hawkins. Um, he is a hustle player and hustle is his skill. Like if you want to talk about like, what is his major skill? It's that he tries really hard. Uh, and effort is a skill, but that can be scary when you're drafting players to the NBA draft. Um, I do think his just technique across the board on both ends of the floor is wonderful. Uh, he is a much better mismatch threat than people realize because he can do so much with the ball. He has so many counters and he is very strong. Um, defensively, yeah, it might get a little bit dicey once he's playing against better athletes, but I was very impressed with how well he moved in that first game against Long Beach State. I was really blown away. Uh, this is a guy who had severe ankle issues last season and he just looked so much better, just gliding, moving side to side, jumping. It's really clear in hindsight how how hobbled he was with those ankle injuries last season. Um, he's he's taken four threes. He's hit two of them. Look, whether or not he hits shots, that's going to determine where Jaime Hawkins goes. The rest of his game, it's a pretty known commodity. He's going to try on defense. The effort will be there. He's smart. He knows how to put it on the floor. Um, he's just got to hit shots and, and I think he's going to, I don't think he's going to hit 50% like he has on his whopping four (laughs) attempts, uh, so far this season, but I think it's going to be in the mid to high thirties. And with that, I can, I can live with him as a first round pick for the Rockets. It's not the sexiest thing in the world, but he's the last guy in the player pool. And if, if that's who you're taking, I think you can live with it. No, I I agree with your thinking 100%. I think the Rockets would love to add another high field guy, high effort guy to their front court depth. And Jaime Hawkins would give them just that. So guys, we did it. That's a full first round mock draft 1.0 mock posit 1.0 from the draft deeper crew. I, I love what we did here. And I think that this will all change completely a month yes. from now, but that's that's just the nature of the beast with the college basketball season, with more international play ramping up, with the G League night team showing some stuff, winning some games, looking good doing so. We'll see what still happens with Scoot Henderson. We'll see if more of those Ignite guys pop up in our future mock drafts. Mojave King, anyone? Mm-hmm. Man, I still love that guy, but that's mm-hmm. that that's for another podcast at another time. So thank you all again for listening to this episode of the Draft Deeper Podcast on the No Ceilings NBA Podcast feed. If you haven't followed me personally already, make sure you go do so at Draft Deeper on Twitter. I have another edition of my morning dunk coming out the same day that you're listening to this mock draft podcast. So be sure to read all of my collective thoughts. I did a full Champions Classic preview. 
I have some writing in there about the Pepperdine boys that I was really excited to publish. Let's Those go. guys are coming into the first round conversation in my personal big board slash ranking system. And I have some thoughts and observations about other prospects from the first week of college basketball as well. Maxwell, tell the audience where they can find you. And I guess you can also refer, even though I kind of Mm -hmm. already did for you earlier on to what you're working on next. Yeah. So uh, my Twitter handle is at boundboards, B-A-U-M, then the word boards. Uh, This week, we've got Gigi's Big Adventure, the the grand Mm -hmm. release of Gigi's Big Adventure. I'm very excited about it. Um, but also a ton of other stuff, expanding big board, a lot of quick hits this week because I have watched so much basketball and drinking so much coffee. <laughs> Love that my stomach is just a, a pit of hell right now. It is awful. I feel terrible. I'm exhausted, <laughs> uh, but I have had so much fun this past week. So a lot of quick hits, a lot of fun, mid-major stuff, um, just covering a whole bunch of stuff. So make sure you check out that column. And Steven... Where can everybody find you? And actually, you can just tell the audience, what did you write on the same day that we're recording this podcast? Yeah, so by the time that everyone's listening to this, it will already have been out. The It's called If You Don't Know Me By Now. Um, it's going to be featuring Malik Renault of the uh, Indiana Hoosiers. And just real quick, uh can clear this up now. It might be Renew. I'm I'm hearing two different pronunciations of I his heard last that name the game too, and I was like, I that can't be right. For for everyone out there before. listening to this episode of the podcast, if we have butchered any pronunciations on this episode, forgive us. We're we all sorry. still learning these names <laughs> as much as every other draft analyst out there. You're you're going to hear mispronunciations on these guys' names. Some of them. Up until like April, like it, it's it's just going to happen. So we apologize. Even on TV, so give us a break. Exactly. Yeah, so give Literally us a break. TV and that analyst. Exactly. Yeah. So um, that piece is out there. It's also kind of talking about some like what we do every time college basketball starts up and how we usually end up um, feeling about basketball towards the end of the year. And also I threw out some weekend warrior awards one for some of the major conferences out there. So go give that a read. And you're listening to Draft Deeper today on a Monday. Tune in tomorrow where I will be on Home and Away with Nick Agard Johnson, where we're going to be talking about latest piece and on Malik Renault and then my prior week's piece on Harrison Ingram. So it's going to be a good time. Tune into that, me and Nick. It's, it's always fun when we link up, so I'm looking forward to being on that show too. Man, we are popping off on the No Sellings NBA podcast feed this week. We have Draft Deeper on Monday. Steven's going to be on with Nick on Tuesday. I'm going to be on Nick's show on Wednesday. My first rookie ladder is going to be coming out this week. I can't wait hey. to talk about some of the fun NBA young guys. Excited for that one. So draft deeper. As I say, for no ceilings all the time, draft deeper is everywhere this week. So make sure mm. you're tuned in, you're locked in. And if you aren't subscribed to the No Ceilings Substack, where you can find all of these wonderful written pieces we are talking about, NoSillingsNBA.com. Make sure you're subscribed, locked into that email newsletter. Be sure you're following us on Twitter at NoSillingsNBA. Find us on other social media platforms as well Instagram, TikTok, YouTube Shorts, NoSillingsNBA. Come find us, come interact with us. No matter where we are, we want to hear from you guys. We have fun talking about the draft. If we didn't talk about it with our audience, who would we be as media draft analysts? So come hang out with us. And one more reminder. Tuesday night, playback, Champions Classic. We'll be on both games. 
come hang out, come scout with us live. We are excited to do more of those as the year goes on. But until we meet again on this podcast feed, thank you all so much for listening. I hope you all have a wonderful rest of your week.